passing from the Old Testament, we now ask, what do we know about a plurality of persons in the Godhead from the New Testament? We saw in our review of Old Testament passages relating to God that there was clear evidence that there was a plurality in the nature of the Godhead and that there were indications of a trinity. But as we come to the New Testament, we find that the threefold personality of God is emphatically asserted with intimations of the unity of God. For example, let us consider some of these general statements. We turn to our blessed Lord as he came to John the Baptist to be baptized. And here we have a clear indication of the Trinity. For example, in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 2. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heaven was opened and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, Thou art my beloved Son, in thee I am well pleased. Here then we have the Lord Jesus being baptized. And then we have the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove upon him. And then we have the voice of the Father from heaven, a clear indication of the existence of the Trinity. In John chapter 14, our blessed Lord is preparing his disciples, his dear ones, for his departure, which he knew would be a shock to them but which he also knew would be a blessing to them because a great tremendous event would take place. In the 14th chapter and verse 16 and 17, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Also in the 26th verse, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Here then we have the Lord Jesus praying unto the Father, and discussing with the Father the coming of the Comforter a clear indication of the tripartite nature of God. And then in that great baptismal command, as recorded in the 28th chapter of Matthew's Gospel and verse 19, we have explicitly an assertion of the Trinity. Go ye therefore, our Lord said, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Here then is a threefold name in which the individual believer is to be baptized, a clear assertion of the Trinity in the Godhead. In the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, and verses 4 to 6 where the gifts of the Holy Spirit unto the body of Christ, the church, are discussed. We have a threefold reference to the Godhead. 
Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Here then we have the Spirit referred to, the Lord referred to, and God the Father referred to. A clear indication of the Trinity. Each of the members of the Trinity have a distinct work in the great accomplishment of man's salvation. Peter narrates this in his first epistle, chapter 1 and verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So here we have the forethought or purpose of God the Father. We have the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. And we have the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. A clear presentation of the functions of the Trinity in salvation. Also in chapter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Again, the threefold nature of God. We have already read in our discussion Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 4 to 6, where we read about one Spirit, one Lord, one God. And that great uh, apostolic benediction, as recorded in 2 Corinthians, Chapter 13 and verse 14 sets before us clearly the Trinity. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. So each of the members of the blessed Trinity have a great and a glorious function in the way of salvation. The three persons of the Trinity are all recognized as God. And this is a clear indication that there are this threefold division in the great Godhead. Many references, of course, are found to God the Father, just to cite a few of them. In John chapter 6 and verse 27, we have this reference during this conflict of our Lord Jesus Christ. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, for, but for that which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6, we also have a reference to God the Father. But unto us there is but one God the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Here the Lord Jesus is distinguished from the Father, but a clear reference appears to the Father. And so we could go on to many passages. Let us consider the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son, as having been presented as God of very God. In the first chapter of John's Gospel, and verses 1 to 4, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. This Word is capitalized, you noticed, 
and is a personality, as is indicated in verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Lord Jesus Christ is asserted to be God of very God. In the 10th chapter of John, in verse 30, our Lord said, I and my Father are one. So here the Lord Jesus Christ claims equality with the Father. The Jews clearly understood his claim of deity and called it blasphemy and were about to stone him. In the 20th chapter of John's Gospel, we read about Thomas, the great doubter, who didn't avail himself of the evidence that was before him as to the resurrection of Christ. But finally, the kindness of the Master revealed himself particularly to Thomas, and he declared these concise words, My Lord and my God. Here was a recognition of the Lordship of Christ, and Jesus accepted his worship. In the second chapter of Colossians and verse 9 we read, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Here is an assertion of the deity of Jesus Christ. Certainly this could never have been made apart from this glorious reality. In the second chapter of Titus and verse 13, we have a construction that's of great importance. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now this particular structure here identifies the same person to be the great God and our Savior. So a clear indication of the deity of Jesus Christ. And in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8, we read a positive declaration. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. And in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 1, we have this assertion. Simon Peter's servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is this positive identity. But we go on quickly to the consideration of the Holy Spirit. He also is called God, and he is truly revealed as a person, so that we should use the personal pronoun in referring to him. In the fifth chapter of Acts, when the uh, deception of Ananias and Sapphira was brought before the leaders of the early church. We read these words concerning Ananias. Verse 3, But Peter said, Ananias, Why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So here Ananias is pictured as having lied to the Holy Ghost in one verse, and in the next verse he is pictured as having lied unto God. Here is an identification of the Holy Spirit with God as one of the true members of the deity of the great Godhead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11, we have the Spirit of God revealed as of great infinite knowledge, but God hath revealed unto us 
by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Here we have the term Spirit of God, and an assertion of his great infinite knowledge. In the second chapter of Ephesians, in verse 22, we read, In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So this habitation is of God through the Holy Spirit. And so we could go on. As we read many passages in the New Testament concerning the names, works, claims, attributes, relationships, and prophecies of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, an abundance of evidence settles down upon us of the Trinity. In fact, how can the New Testament be read in common sense without recognizing this great revealed concept of God? That God is a Trinity appears to spring forth from the very warp and woof of the New Testament. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this clear indication of the mystery of thy divine nature and how we thank thee that we have this profound truth before us. It should challenge us that thou, our Heavenly Father, has taken great pains in redemption and that thou, our Lord Jesus Christ, has died for the sins of the whole world and therefore for our sins and that thou, blessed Holy Spirit, art sent forth to convince the world of sin and to be the comforter of the believer. How we thank thee for this profound collections of truth for us to think upon. May many avail themselves of this, this day, by repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his death. In thy precious name we pray.